The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hey folks, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Item of the Week. If the Twitter toddler in the White House has you completely stressed out, head on over to BubbleGenius.com and pick up their exclusive Republican voodoo doll featuring the face and body of our cartoon dictator. This item is only available for a limited time, so get yours now. Only $25 at BubbleGenius.com, with a third of the proceeds going to support the campaigns of resistance candidates across the country. Plus, if you use our promo code BOBC at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order only at BubbleGenius.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Tomorrow morning, the White House is sending a bill to Congress for its consideration. It's White House Resolution 455, an energy bill requiring a 20% reduction of the emission of fossil fuels over the next 10 years. It is by far the most aggressive stride ever taken in the fight to reverse the effects of global warming. The other piece of legislation is the crime bill. As of today, it no longer exists. I'm throwing it out. I'm throwing it out and writing a law that makes sense. You cannot address crime prevention without getting rid of assault weapons and handguns. I consider them a threat to national security, and I will go door to door if I have to, but I'm going to convince Americans that I'm right, and I'm going to get the guns. We've got serious problems, and we need serious people. And if you want to talk about character, Bob, you better come at me with more than a burning flag and a membership card. If you want to talk about character and American values, fine. Just tell me where and when and I'll show up. This is a time for serious people, Bob, and your 15 minutes are up. My name is Andrew Shepard and I am the president. Ain't shit, Bob. Bob Today's Rachel Maddow Show Award for Headline Excellence goes to Bob Seska. The Bob Seska Show. Hello, Bob. Can you imagine a Democratic president standing up in front of the entire nation and saying, I'm going to get the guns? That'll never, ever happen, ever, ever. But it's nice to imagine, isn't it? It's nice nice also to imagine a time when uh, Republicans would actually talk about character and American values without... Without invoking, uh, you know, Nazis and white supremacists and KKK members. Welcome to 2017, the uh, Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Oh, hi, I'm Bob, and uh, TV's Kimberly Johnson is sitting right behind me. <laughs> what did you call me? <laughs> TV's Kimberly What's Johnson. TV's Kimberly Johnson. T- TV's Kimberly Johnson. Well, you were on TV. Yes, I, I mean, was. I can actually, I joked about it with, with Buzz. Right. <laughs> I called him TV's Buzz Burbank on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But you're at, you've actually been on a, on a national TV I series. Have. It would be Days of Our Lives, right? Yes. 
And uh, oh, she's also from Liberals United and the Huffington Post and so many other places. Uh, it is the Trump Crisis Day 217. There's so much to talk about, so much to get to today. Uh, right before the show, uh, Kimberly and I were talking about this new uh, uh, forecast for 2018 from Decision Desk. <clears throat> And I don't know, I, I've never really perused Decision Desk's forecasts. I don't know how accurate they are. I don't know if they're anywhere close to being as accurate as, as Nate Silver and, and some of the others. But I don't think it's bad news. What they're saying right now at this point is that the Republicans will retain their majority in the House. <gasps> I know, terrible news. But uh, but it's, you know what, it's closer than I thought it would be at this point. We're still, how many months out? We're still 15, yeah, it's really 18 just months out, something, something crazy. I don't know, I can't do the math. It's still crazy early, but it's now saying that the uh, they're forecasting the Democrats will have 206 seats in the House and the Republicans will uh, get 229 seats in the House. Democrats are forecast to pick up 13 seats on November 6, 2018. Republicans will gain one seat for a net gain of 12 seats for the Democratic Party. And uh, so that's, that's not awful. Well, this, this is how the Democratic Party should always be behaving, as if this were the case. So they need to make sure that they're constantly out there yeah. getting new voters. You know, there's, there's an article that came out by in Newsweek today about the fact that uh, Bernie Sanders voters, I think it was like 12%, <laughs> yeah. who uh, were going to vote for Bernie Sanders voted for Trump instead of Hillary. Yeah. And that was enough to do some damage. But in the end, uh, that that number isn't so different than uh, in 2008 for people that wanted Hillary and didn't get Hillary and, and didn't vote for Barack. Yeah. So um, this is, you know, I mean, I know that everybody's angry about that who's reading it. In fact, I got a, a, a Facebook message from a friend who says, I'm not trying to start anything. And it's like, well, it doesn't really matter anymore. Th this is kind of normal. This is the, these numbers are normal. So, you know, everybody who wants to blame Bernie is going to blame Bernie, whatever. Yeah. Let's just move on from that. And instead of focusing on these fucking people, oh, I did it again. I forget. <laughs> I'm so used to being on the after party. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, in instead of voting, you know, instead of trying to court people who would vote for Jill Stein or who would go against the Democratic candidate, you know, half the country didn't vote. There's a huge pool. If the Democrats could just get 10% of that pool, we could win. Well, right now, look at this. I mean, talk about a great example of gerrymandering and the Republicans just sort of rigging the field. Uh, the Democrats actually hold a 54.2% majority on the generic ballot. That means if there was a national vote for members of the House, Democrats would come away yeah. with a clear, clear majority. Yeah. Right? 54 to, uh, I don't know, let's see what the uh, Republicans have. That's compared to the generic ballot in 2016 of 49% for the Democrats, 2014 for 44%. So the Democrats right now are doing 10% better now than they were doing in 2014. You know, and now that I'm looking at it, this is like, God damn it. It's so God damn it. <laughs> so it's, it shouldn't be this way, especially now, given the existence of Donald Trump. It should be far and away. The Democrats have it, hands down. But that's not that's well, not happening. To deal with the gerrymandering. We have there's all kinds of things that we have to voter suppression, gerrymandering. All of that can be overcome yeah. if enough people show up. Right, right, right. And that is on the Democrats. They need, you know, I mean, it's like there's going to be enough people out there who are paying attention to what's happening, and 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 who don't like Trump, and that will motivate motivate them. But that's not what the Democrats should be relying on. You know, Gavin Newsom was recently on Bill Maher and he said 
that the Democrats need to focus on and, and their messaging needs to be about, you know, what how they're going to benefit. And it's true. It's like they have to go out and, and brag. Yeah. They have to brag about how democratic policies help the economy, help the average American family on Main Street. They just they just simply need to, you know, just take a cue from the Republicans. Take and, a cue from Trump, for God's yeah, sake, and and, and, and the brag Democrats. A little. Yeah, the Democrats have the benefit of being factually correct. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, I mean, and 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 it's it's good to go talk to those people in the red states, just as Bernie did. You know, whether you like the man or not, he knows how to turn people around because he was turning Trump voters, um, t- you know, talking about single payer, getting them to scream for single payer. Yeah. So whether it's Bernie or someone else, people need to go out in those red states and, and talk simply. So people not in political speak, but just talk like a regular person to regular people and, and help them to understand why it's better. Yeah. Well, this is this is where and this is another great example of. Uh, making a, making a political case for these particular districts to actually go out and not necessarily rely on just bashing Trump and talking about Russia, but to make an economic case, make a, uh, a social policy case to a lot of these people who, uh, may have voted for Barack Obama in 2008 and then switched over to Donald Trump. Those people, I, you know, and I, I'm glad I'm not the one doing it because I, yeah. I would go crazy. I don't have any patience for these. I don't have any patience for Trump voters anymore. But, uh, right now, Democrats have a 30% chance of taking back the majority on November 6, 2018, which is, you know what? That's fine with me. I'm not thrilled with this. Um, but, you know, I have this theory, the, the don't get happy theory, <laughs> because, uh, you know, invariably people will stay home. People are already going to stay home. We we're going to fight an uphill battle trying to just get people out to vote in 2018. Although I'm hoping that won't be the case. I'm hoping that as far as Trump goes, he'll be the motivating factor to push people out of their houses and out of their well, uh, their torpor and, and actually vote. There's <laughs> also the idea that, because we're living in such unpredictable times, we have no idea what's going to happen yeah. between now and, and the midterms. You know, we could be dealing with a President Pence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right now the GOP is uh, in big trouble. Yeah. You know, they hate Trump. There is this war going on within the party and a war from the you know Republican Party against Trump. So... It's really, you know, I mean, yeah, things look a certain way right now, and gerrymandering absolutely is as part of it. Yeah. But it's, it's, you know, people like to predict what's going to happen, and it's fun to try. But I don't, you know, I don't really think, <clears throat> I don't think that people can really predict anything right now. We yep. can only guess. And you know what? Uh, yeah, I want to mention too because you you brought it up uh, a few seconds ago about this. Uh, about this analysis saying that Bernie Sanders voters helped Trump to win. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, we take this with the knowledge that Russia also helped Trump to win. And there were a lot of factors that that helped Trump to win. What they're suggesting here is uh, in Wisconsin, 51,000 Sanders voters voted for Trump in the uh, general election, the presidential election. In Michigan, 47,000 Sanders voters voted for Trump. In Pennsylvania, goddamn, goddamn Pennsylvania, seriously, 116,000 Bernie Sanders supporters voted for Trump. God damn it! I know. 116,000. You know what Trump's margin of win in uh, Wisconsin was? 22,000. When that's with 51,000 Bernie Sanders voters voting for Trump. Uh, his uh, Trump's margin was 10,000 in Michigan. 47,000 Sanders voters voted for Trump. 
And in Pennsylvania, where 116,000 Sanders voters voted for Trump, uh, Trump's margin was 44,000. I wonder how many of those uh, Sanders voters were independents. Yeah. I mean, they might, <clears throat> excuse me, they might have switched over to Democrat, but... Um, it's you know I mean, it's I, you know, if I were to read here, going through the cross tabs and everything and figure out how many were registered for uh, the Democratic Party and how many were registered independents. I, my guess is it would be fairly heavily weighted toward the Democrats because yeah, they but did. There because, were people who switched over in order to vote in the primaries. Why did they switch back? That's the, I, I mean, well, it doesn't know. Uh, ultimately, there is no reason why uh, they wouldn't retain their Democratic Party. Uh, uh, registration from the primaries. You I mean, mean you think that they would switch? Yeah, or, or, no, they switched over to the Democratic Party to vote for Bernie in the primaries, and then they just remained Democrats right. into the general. I mean, it's election. really hard to tell uh, who did what, but I mean, there you know there were a lot of people that just weren't going to vote for her anyway. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it's really, it's not. It's I'm not trying to defend Bernie Sanders. It just really depends on so many factors, and it's 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 easy to point a finger and blame somebody. But in the end, I don't think the people who voted for Donald Trump were ever going to vote for Hillary, yeah. even if they were Democrats. They weren't interested in her, and unfortunately, too many of them, um, you know, un- really just fell for the disinformation that was out there. Well, this is more than double uh, the Trump margin of victory, so you could say that. Uh, for example, in Pennsylvania, if half of those Bernie supporters uh, who voted for Trump, let's say they actually went over and voted for Hillary anyway, mm-hmm. the, the, then Hillary still would have won Pennsylvania by those margins because you have 44,000 uh, mar- 44, vote margin of victory for Donald Trump in Pennsylvania, uh, 116,000. Sanders voters voting for Trump in Pennsylvania. So you take half of those away and you still have a a narrow victory for Hillary Clinton in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So if you take the Sanders voters who voted for Trump and you give those votes to Hillary Clinton and you take, let's say, a third of the Jill Stein voters who voted for uh, who, who voted against Hillary Clinton, voted against Trump, but voted for Jill Stein, that that would leave a huge margin of victory for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Absolutely, but the, but it's still um, there's still an argument to be to be made that I think a lot of these people weren't going to vote for her anyway, and then also a lot of these people fell for the disinformation that was out there, yeah, whether right. it was Republican disinformation. And you know, I mean, I knew these people. I think I, I explained on an earlier show that there was somebody that I I, I knew in per- I met her in person, mm-hmm. and. Um, she was a strong Sanders supporter and a Democrat, or at least a progressive liberal, whatever. And I saw a meme that she had posted that suggested Hillary ha- had John Kennedy Jr. killed. Stop and, um, you know, and, and I questioned her on that. I, I said, this is ridiculous. And she got really huffy with me. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she voted for Trump, but or she might have. I don't think she did. But still, there were a lot of people out there who bought it because it fit right into their hatred of Hillary. They they started off not liking her and they ended up hating her. Yeah. And so uh, I think that, you know, when you combine those things, I mean, every you know, there were a lot of independents who really, really, really liked Bernie. Maybe those independents were like independent conservatives, independent Republicans. The thing that bothers me is instead of like, I know that people are going to want to blame Bernie voters. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how does that help us? How does pointing a finger and screaming and shouting at Bernie voters going to help anything? 
what we need to do as a party, as I said earlier, is really focus on the people who didn't vote. And don't worry about the Jill Stein voters and don't worry about the Bernie voters because there were most Bernie voters voted for Hillary. Yeah. But well, I you mean, know, you we could, need to focus on the people who didn't vote. You could actually make an argument that this is all about Russia, as you were sort yeah. of allu- alluding to there a second ago, because we know that Russia targeted Bernie Sanders voters with disinformation about Hillary Clinton during the primaries. And they ate it up. Uh, yes, and of course they ate it up. And we all witnessed this happening in real time on Facebook and on yeah. Twitter. It was something that was so obvious. There was so much disinformation floating around about Hillary Clinton during those primaries that was being repeated by Bernie Sanders supporters, Jill Stein supporters, etc. None of the above supporters, contrarians on the left who just were stirring the crap and trying to make trouble. Uh, and this was flowing around like uh, it was insane how pervasive it was. And then we only found out later after the election, after the general election. So months and months and months later. And they're still in denial because they'll say things like, oh, yeah, uh, Russia really made me vote against Hillary in 2008. And it's like, no, it's just that people who are who are already feeling a certain way when they hear information that like feeds their fire, they're going to, they're going to, they'll go for it. Yeah. And this is all to say, they don't want to admit it, but it's the truth. This is all to say, be careful this time next year, especially is going to be madness when it comes to the malware and the bots and the disinformation and the propaganda freely flowing throughout political internet. When it comes to the midterms, there are going to be favorites in the democratic party who are going to be running uh, uh, high profile campaigns against sitting Republicans. Probably iron stash himself is probably going to get attacked by all sides when it comes to, uh, 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 Russian interference, and that's mm-hmm. going to be uh, a, a quite pervasive throughout that uh, that 2018 campaign. And we should be very careful, be extraordinarily careful about the information that you circulate on social media, especially when it comes to this time next year. Yeah, and especially when it's incendiary and when it's, you know, if you have a certain feeling about, I mean, it's going to be slightly different because it's going to be midterms. There's like this national thing when it's one person that we're all focusing on as yeah. opposed to individual races in the states. So, of course, I want Randy Bryce Ironstash to win. I want him to kick out Paul Ryan. But there's a little bit more of a um, investment in the president yeah. because Randy Stash does. I don't. He's not going to represent me, mm-hmm. so I don't have the same kind of uh, emotional investment. So. You know, if, if you see um, articles out there that either stir you up or make you angry, really, really take a minute. Don't just, don't just, I mean, and I've been guilty of this myself, so I'm telling myself this. Mm-hmm. Don't just go for the quick share and screaming rant. Yeah. Because you have to think first. We we are being manipulated. Well, here's, I was manipulated here's last the, primary season. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing to watch for. This coming up to, uh, election season for the midterms. Once the new year begins, really, that's when it's going to start yeah. in earnest. Watch for these two markers. Watch for the name of a site that isn't a name brand. Yeah. Like one of these off-brand sites that are basically glorified blogs with propaganda on them. If you see a site like that, if you see the domain name and it's unfamiliar, it's not New York Times or CNN or USA Today or the Washington Post. If you see one of these sites and you see the headline with the words breaking news (laughs) on it. If it is an off-brand site and it is announcing breaking news, but you don't see the same sort of urgency from the mainstream traditional press outlets, 
by all means, for God's sake, do not share that link because likely it is breaking news in the author's head alone. It is not truly breaking news in the legitimate breaking news sense. This is a real news story and it needs it's right. urgent and we need to get it out there as quickly as possible. If that is the case, then yes, the New York Times will be saying breaking news. Here is a big uh, groundbreaking news story that you have to pay attention to. If only the little off-brand blogs are saying that ignore 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 ignore, ignore. And, and there you know i mean there are off-brand there's you know there is liberals unite i write for liberals well, there's unite. the daily there's banter the daily banter sake. there there are a whole bunch of them there's reverb press um there's a you know and and there are certain blogs that i can't even officially recommend but it doesn't mean they're all wrong so i'm just you know every once in a while you're going to have these smaller blogs that are going to be reporting truth yeah um, it doesn't mean you should discount smaller blogs. It just means that when you go to those blogs, check their sources, yep. click on their sources and make sure. Now, I, I want to say this, like, for instance, Raw Story is, you know, um, it, it's not so small. It's certainly not the New York Times, but they'll but they'll often reference the New York Times. The thing that Raw Story does very well is not only do they condense a story, um, but what they will do is like, let's say New York Times does a long piece they'll focus on one aspect of that New York Times piece yep. and make a whole story about it. And and they, they're really good at um, at headlines. And it's not necessarily clickbait, but they make their headlines uh, more clear about what the story is, where sometimes the more um, reputable, like Washington Post and New York Times, are a little bit more old school and vague in their headline. Yep. So you don't know what's coming up. So therefore it doesn't mean raw stories wrong. It just means that they, they've, you know, condensed it, as I said, and, and chosen kind of a better, more revealing headline. Yeah. I mean, we so all... you have to kind of different, you have to differentiate the piece of crap blogs that are just out there lying yeah. to the ones that are smaller, but are legitimate. And they just check the sources. Yeah, ex- always. exactly. Exactly. Just, I mean, we all have to learn new etiquette when it comes to this crap to make sure to be more discerning, to be more selective in terms of what we, uh, uh, knee-jerkingly uh, retweet and share and so on. There's just a lot of crap floating around out there, and you can identify it. It's not mysterious. It's all obvious. I mean, when you uh, retweet something like the Palmer Report, you know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get highly propagandized versions of the news. It's not opinion. It is a version of the news that is somewhat too highly deceptive. So please, for God's sake... Next year, it, it couldn't be more important next year that we all figure out new ways of sharing information that doesn't foster this ridiculous climate of of Russian interference and propaganda from all of these uh, these fly by night off brand sites. Uh, you know, yeah. by the way, uh, I was going to mention this because you were talking about polls here earlier. You know, forty four percent of Jill Stein voters wish the South had won the Civil War. This is the new PPP poll. This is, I mean, again, not an off-brand pollster here. This is the PPP poll. 44%. That is a, paral- no, wait, no, that's that's a small minority. I think it's 56% uh, of Jill Stein voters uh, wish the North had won the Civil War. But 44% of Jill Stein voters wish the uh, South had won the Civil War. 44% of Jill Stein voters also have a favorable view of Putin, and that is a plurality. 
That is a plurality. More, well, there you go. More Jill Stein voters have a favorable view of Putin than have a negative, unfavorable view. Yeah, they, they, they like to fool themselves into thinking they are, but they are not. Just by way of comparison, Putin has a favorable view among Donald Trump voters of 18%. That's among Donald Trump supporters. Hmm. Jill Stein has a, a Jill Stein voters, 44% favorable view of Vladimir Putin. That's really striking. Yeah. That's really shocking and, and oh. sad. So, uh, but I mean, going back to this, uh, this North versus South civil war section of this poll, this PPP poll, 56% of Jill Stein voters uh, are glad that the North won the civil war. Uh, 44% wish the South had won the Civil War. Uh, compare that to Donald Trump voters. Only 13% of Donald Trump voters wish the South had won the Civil War. So when we're talking about <laughs> sides of the political coin yeah. that uh, you know are sympathetic to the Confederate cause, maybe we should be talking a little bit more to Jill Stein voters, huh? Yeah. I, I'm just saying. You know, I, you know. Obviously, Donald Trump is horrendous and evil, and and he's a Nazi sympathizer and all these things. But what's the deal with these Jill Stein voters? It's a, uh, it's beginning to look a lot like Hitler in the United States. Yeah. And <laughs> Godwin's Law. Bye bye, Godwin's Law. It's beginning to look a lot like Hitler everywhere you go. Jill Stein supporters, Just too. Just look at that Trump and Pence. Their fans threatening once again with violence and racist rants that grow. <laughs> They're beginning to sound a lot like Hitler. Vandals every night. <laughs> and the Naziest sight you'll see is the swastika that will be on your own front door. <laughs> Thank you, Rocky Mountain Mike, from <laughs> the Stephanie Miller Show. Uh, okay, so lots more to talk about. You mentioned the uh, the transgender news uh, coming from the White House. We've got to talk about that. But before yeah. we talk about that, we're going to get into uh, something from Blue Apron, something to eat, something delicious and fresh to sit down to have for dinner tonight. I'm looking forward to my Blue Apron meal because it is. It's always delicious and fresh. And... Uh, I mean, after all, who can afford to eat at a restaurant every night? I can't. You can't. No one can. Well, maybe some of us can. Maybe Trump can. But I can't. But I, and for that matter, I mean, I'm going to shop at these high-priced stores just to get fresh, natural ingredients all the time. high-priced stores. You can't do that either. I've shopped in those stores and end up wasting so much good food, so much money. That's why I like Blue Apron. It's America's number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service. Blue Apron sends exactly what I need in exactly the right amounts and an easy recipe right to my door. Blue Apron is partnered with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranches across the U.S. Their seafood is certified, sustainably sourced. The beef, chicken, and pork are raised responsibly, and the produce comes from regenerative farms. Uh, try Check out this menu. How good do these, these meals sound? Basil pesto chicken. Did I say basil? I meant <laughs> basil. Basil basil pesto chicken with summer vegetable panzella. Uh, sautéed shrimp and green beans with globe tomatoes, spinach, and orzo pasta. Oh, my God. Whole grain pasta and summer veggies with heirloom tomato caprese salad. Miso butter salmon and lo mein noodles with cucumber and charmed tomatoes. 
or you can have meatball pizza with fresh mozzarella cheese and charmed tomatoes. Try to get those meals at a restaurant or even from a specialty grocer for under 10 bucks a person. Blue Apron has something for everyone because you can customize your preferences and new recipes just keep coming so you never, ever get bored. In fact, you get excited. It makes cooking actually fun, especially when that delivery guy comes to your door and has your brand new, fresh Blue Apron meal for you. Affordable but elegant, top-quality meals uh, you easily make yourself with fresh ingredients brought to you by Blue Apron. There's no weekly commitment. Stop and start as you please and check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free. They'll eat free. <laughs> See how excited I am? I'm going... <laughs> I'm, I'm reversing through puberty, is what I'm doing. <laughs> They'll even pay the shipping because you listen to us. Go to blueapron.com slash B-O-B-C. That's blueapron.com slash B-O-B-C. It feels good to make incredible, affordable meals at home when the food and recipes come from Blue Apron. Again, that's blueapron.com slash B-O-B-C. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. The Bob Seska Show. The, the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to our Thursday show. Is it Thursday already? We've made it to Thursday, and there hasn't been a nuclear Armageddon. Thank you, Mr. President. Okay, uh, God, we didn't have a chance to talk about Trump's rally. It was Tuesday night. Uh, I think by now you've heard all the highlights or lowlights or he's just, he has trouble controlling the volume of his own voice now, doesn't he? But I mean, here's the thing. Everyone's acting like this rally is something new. Like he's never done rallies before. Like, like the rally is the new, is the new thing that he's doing. And the other thing that they're, everyone seems to be shocked by pundits on uh, cable news and so forth seem to be shocked that suddenly Donald Trump does a quiet, whispery speeches and then does loud, obnoxious rallies. Hmm. This is something that he's been doing yeah. from the very beginning, where he does a, pr- a prompter thing and it's his whispery Donald Trump. <laughs> well, Tony Atomic totally gets him. He does uh, that all the time. Yeah, the president show. <laughs> a great version of that. Uh, yeah, well, they're just now revealing that among all of the other lies that he lied about the live cameras. He was saying, oh, look at the red lights. Look at the red lights. <laughs> the red lights are going on and on. And they're going, now the red lights are back. And now they're gone again. Look at the red lights are gone again. And now we're not on anymore. And he's pointing back to the, the press pool and he can't control the volume of his own voice. And he was talking about, let's see, look back there, the live red lights, and they're turning those suckers off fast. They're turning those lights off fast like CNN. CNN does not want its failing viewership to watch what I'm saying tonight. The, the live feed was on the whole time. Yeah. And in fact, CNN carried the live feed for the entire duration of the rally. And, you know, this is just something this is something that Donald Trump has always, always done. He just makes stuff up. Mm -hmm. Everything Donald Trump says is made up. There is nothing that Donald Trump does that is truthful, accurate, real. (laughs) You know, there is nothing that Donald Trump says that he isn't just yanking out of his ass. And, you know, he, he just he says what he thinks and then he's also of this school of thought. And, and I remember seeing this from Howard Stern maybe 20 years ago. Like, I mean, really like the, the old days of Howard Stern, be, before satellite radio, when he was on terrestrial radio, and he was sort of at his high watermark, late 80s, early 90s, right around there, where he just ruled the school. And so everything that, uh, that uh, Howard Stern would say on the radio was an exaggeration of what was real. 
he would say that he invented all these different forms of comedy. He invented radio. He invented talk radio. He is the number one radio show host in the entire world, et cetera, et cetera. He'd make these huge superlative statements about himself. And the idea was just to, to hype the excitement around the show. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is of that same school of thought, except, you know what? Donald Trump isn't a morning DJ. Donald Trump is the president of the United States and has to rise to a different standard. But uh, I want to, you know, I want to mention this because this is so uh, awful. This story, this story coming to us from the Wall Street Journal about the White House's rules for the transgender ban in the military. This turned out to not just be a random crazy tweet. This turned out to be a real thing because now the White House is expected to send, this is according to the uh, Wall Street Journal, expected to send guidance to the Pentagon in coming days on how to implement new administration ban on a new administration ban on transgender people in the military, issuing a policy that will allow Defense Secretary Jim Mattis to consider a service member's ability to deploy and deciding whether to kick them out of the military. Uh, it is just so sinister. Mm-hmm. What you're basically doing, what the White House is basically doing here is telling transgender people, and and I don't have the specific numbers in terms of the split. I don't think they even accumulate numbers like that. I don't think they actually report numbers like that. But of the thousands of transgender service members in the United States military, I would I would estimate that a lot of those transgender members are uh, uh, female to male mm-hmm. transgenders. And uh, that requires, in order to be a female to male, and so a lot of men who are in the military now who were once women uh, they require testosterone in order to maintain their masculinity, right? They, they will be cut off from that medical treatment, according to this article. So the White House is basically suggesting that they will no longer admit mm-hmm. transgender members into the military. They will not allow the existing transgender service members to receive the medical treatment they need to continue to exist as, you know, you as mean a man. through like military insurance. Well, through I mean, obviously there are uh, doctors in the military who you know uh, who serve uh, military members and, and give them the treatment they need, whether it's you know they sprain right. their ankle or whether or not they need testosterone injections in order to maintain their masculinity. You know that these are just things that uh, are required, and now it looks like Donald Trump is going to cut them off. Mm-hmm from being able to get that medical treatment, which, what does that do? I mean, what does that do? If you know anything about hormones, it means that there are going to be potentially thousands of male soldiers in the United States military whose testosterone level will drop off to nothing. Yeah. And they will no longer be able to serve. For God's sake, so it's basically a de facto way Mm -hmm. of kicking them out of the military because they will be unable to rise to the physical challenges of being a man in the United States military, which is just, it's, it, it, I, there's something that's so medieval about that to me. It's like basically castrating. They're, the the Trump White House is essentially threatening chemical castration of thousands of male service members in the military who just happen to be transgender. Yeah. That's exactly what this is. It's, it's terror. It just reminds me of like uh, Ramsey Bolton or something, you know, just like something so evil 
and so unnecessary. Like there was no, there's no crisis in the military. There aren't generals going around screaming, yeah, you know, all these transgender people are really screwing things over for the rest of us. There's no urgency to this. This is just Donald Trump being a cruel, cruel bastard. You dick. You know, again, I don't see any outcry from anyone about transgender uh, military service members. Is there some sort of crisis in Afghanistan where transgender service members aren't uh, aren't rising to the occasion no. and, and doing their duty? No, of course not. There aren't, and like I said, there aren't generals going around raising alarm bells saying oh, this is experimentation in the military. The only person who's saying that we're experimenting, quote unquote, with the military is Donald Trump and Tommy Lahren, mm-hmm. for God's sake. The, you know, I just this is a change. This is a way for him to change the conversation and you know, I mean, as opposed to distraction, it's just a change because as I've tried, you know, everybody tries to get inside Trump's head and we know that he's literally consumed with the Russia investigation and he's obsessed with Obama. Like today he retweeted, um, somebody had tweeted something out about, uh, you know, like how he eclipsed Obama and then he retweeted it. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a a visual. Yeah. So these two because he's things... Because he's a petulant toddler. Is yeah. What he is. So these two things are, are bothering him, specifically the Russia investigation. And so in order to change the conversation, he decides he's going to do this. And honestly, I think it's more for him than for everybody else. Yeah. Because... You know, obviously, we all know that no matter what we're talking about, Mueller is still going to investigate him. The the uh, Schneiderman case is still going on. Yeah. Senate and 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 House are investigating him. So, and and he knows right now that this Christopher Steele uh, dossier is a big effing deal, mm-hmm. and it's scaring him. So. You know, since he creates his own little bubble of of whatever in his head, this is just a way for him to think about something else. You know, and and in the process, he's hurting Americans who are who are fighting in the military, fighting for this country, and are are patriots, unlike yeah. him. Yeah, this is just this is ghoulish, is yeah. what this is. It is. It's, he's I, ghoulish. And you know, I know we have uh, quite a few transgender listeners to this show, so I want to, if I botched the terminology or you know botched the nomenclature somehow uh, in discussing this, I apologize. I, 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 you know, it's something that uh, is is somewhat new territory, I think, yeah. for a lot of us in terms of discussing it and making sure that we get the terminology uh, uh, correct and making sure we're not offending anyone. We certainly don't intend uh, to offend anyone. But at this, you know, at the same time, uh, this is just I I can't imagine anything more offensive. Yeah, certainly not anything we've been saying than what Donald Trump intends to do with this. This is like this is a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. This is like uh, voter ID. It's a solution to something that never, ever, ever, ever really exists statistically. I mean, again, no one's opening up their uh, their daily newspaper, their hometown and saying, Oh my God! Look at all these transgender people destroying the military. You know, I I don't think Democrats should go out and um, campaign on abortion. I just don't think they should use that as. I mean, I think they should they should campaign about uh, you know the obvious stuff, women and 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 rights and everything. But focusing on abortion and all that, I don't think that's a winning strategy for them. So I say the same thing. It's like when you talk about um, when Democrats, let's say, go into Kentucky and talk about transgender people's rights in bathrooms, that's not going to be a winning strategy, just like abortion, uh, you know, available and legal is not 
the issue. Well, there's no one size fits all uh, platform for the Democrats. I mean, you, you well, can't. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to explain the... my comment earlier because I really don't want to make it sound as if I don't think this is important because I do. Yeah. It's just that I think that uh, those aren't the things that the Democrats need to be uh, spending so much time on. Um, and I include abortion because I'm a woman. And, and that's something that, even though it no longer impacts me, um, the right to choose, it, it did my whole life. I always had the opportunity to you know make that choice if I felt I needed it and it sh- and and transgender people should always be able to have all the same opportunities open to them that anybody else in this country has um yeah I want to move on to this other story about uh we were talking talking about war here uh Trump has gone to war against Mitch McConnell although they're denying it now the yeah, White right, House whatever. is denying okay. that anything like that happened uh, but this uh, this new story, good lord, is uh, where is this coming from? This is coming from the New York Times. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, New York Times, and uh, this is amazing to read. And this is goes back to a, a, a thesis I've been repeating over and over again, which is basically that Trump doesn't know what the hell he's doing. I mean, is there any decision that Trump makes that is actually the right decision? I mean, all across the board whether it's the most minor political choice to major policy choices, and every point in between, certainly with regard to Trump-Russia, he's making all the wrong choices. I mean, it it is almost as if it's like George Costanza in that episode of Seinfeld deciding to do the opposite of everything that you're supposed to do. So this is what Donald Trump's doing. He's doing the exact opposite of what he's supposed to do in everything. And this is one of those deals where he's, for some reason, he's going to war against Mitch McConnell. He's been doing this since uh, since the skinny repeal failed. And since that went away, the Obamacare repeal went away. Trump has been out for blood when it comes to Mitch McConnell, not realizing that Mitch McConnell holds the key to whether or not Donald Trump will be impeached. Such an idiot. Yes, because in the Senate, that's where... And Donald Trump doesn't know this. Donald Trump doesn't realize that in the Senate, that's where uh, impeachment trials are held and where convictions can occur. He doesn't understand any of this parliamentary process, nor does he care. He's just willy-nilly flying off the handle attacking people who he shouldn't be attacking because donald trump makes all the wrong decisions he is i mean he makes walter white look like (laughs) barack obama you know makes walter white look like the most pragmatic (laughs) you know even keeled person in the world but donald donald trump makes horrible horrible decisions uh apparently they were in a phone call that devolved into a huge shouting match It says here in the New York Times during where he berated him. Yeah, berated him uh, during the call, which Mr. Trump initiated on August 9 from his New Jersey golf club. The president accused Mr. McConnell of bungling the health care issue, which, uh, you know, Donald Trump admitted to again on Twitter today. Yeah. Stupidly. Yeah. Stupid. He was even more animated about what he intimated was the Senate leader's refusal to protect him from investigations of Russia interference in the 2016 election, according to Republicans briefed on the conversation. So this is not only Donald Trump berating Mitch McConnell's ability to run the Senate, Stupid. but then he's also trying to obstruct justice here again. Mm-hmm. I mean, this should be another well, count you know, of obstruction of justice in the investigation on Trump Russia. No doubt in my mind. Um, something that is kind of slipping by or slipped through the cracks is just before his speech the other day, Rachel Maddow reported that a former chief of staff of McConnell threatened Trump with impeachment unless he stopped harassing other members of the GOP. So 
this is fascinating on many levels because number one, this just shows and proves that the Republicans are fully aware of all the impeachable offenses um, that they could use against Trump, that they're there and they exist right now. Yeah. Because harassing GOP senators is not an impeachable offense. But um, so, so they know that he's obstructed justice. Just with what he's doing to them is obstructing. Forget what he did with Comey. Well, yeah. I mean, when it, yeah, I mean, when it comes to uh, Mitch McConnell and then uh, who else was there here who's, uh, who's received phone was calls from, from Tom Tillis? Tom Tillis oh, okay. received a call from Donald Trump. It was Tom Tillis introduced legislation to protect Robert Mueller from being fired by right. Donald Trump. Right, and, right, and, right. and Donald Trump called Tom, Tom Tillis about this and said, don't, you know, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Which is just, again, obstruction of justice. He's trying to obstruct this investigation. He's trying to obstruct the Senate doing its duty to uh, to, to place checks and balances on the office of the presidency. But I wanted to correct. It was in this New York Times. It was actually the last paragraph of this New York Times article where they quote Billy Piper. He's the former Mitch McConnell chief of staff saying, quote, the quickest way for him to get impeached is for Trump to knock off Jeff Flake and Dean Heller and be faced with a Democrat-led Senate. Um, which is, the, this is the quote that uh, Rachel Maddow was focusing on the other night. And this is fascinating for a couple of reasons. One, uh, now we're liberally using the word, and small l liberally, using the word impeachment now. Mm-hmm. Well-respected people in, in Washington, D.C., inside the Beltway circles, are now... Very comfortable using that word impeachment. I remember in 2006, 2007, the low watermark for the George W. Bush presidency. No one dared, especially on the Hill, no one dared mention the the I word in uh, public company. Certainly, they may have been talking about it, especially Democrats uh, behind the scenes. But no one. It was like someone would say, "Oh, now that the Democrats might take back the uh, take back Congress, maybe we should talk about impeachment." Don't say that. (laughs) Don't say that. So it was like they did. No one wanted to talk about impeachment because they thought it was like a third rail. You start going down that road, and then of course you get political comeuppance from people who won't take you seriously because you're talking about impeaching the president. But now it's perfectly acceptable to talk about. Impeachment. So that that's the on one hand, that's why this quote is so significant. Billy Piper, the former chief of staff to Mitch McConnell, is now talking about this. And, and, the yeah, other thing, I mean, the, I mean, the other thing is, is that this sounds like this is a message. This is a warning from Mitch McConnell to Donald Trump. This is a warning to say, "Hey, look, I hold the keys right here. I got the keys. Jingle, 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 to whether or not you get impeached. So don't f with me." Right. Don't again, F with me, again, fellas. And that goes into the argument that they know uh, right now there is already enough to start impeachment proceedings. Yeah. And, and, and so to me... There's more than enough. They could, more than enough. They could go what, on and on and on. They've what got that's a long showing list. me, um, aside from the obvious, is that the uh, Republicans understand that he's done things that could get him impeached and they're not bringing it up. Well, it just depends. There's a, there's a numbers game that they're playing here. As soon as the support for Trump yeah. drops below the call for impeachment, uh, among Republican voters specifically, then that's when the Republicans in the Senate, the Republicans in the House will start to take action. When it becomes politically expedient for them to support impeachment, that's when they'll do it. But right now, Donald Trump's support among Republicans is still too high. I don't think Mitch McConnell wants to walk away from the 35% uh, support for Donald Trump. Uh, that's, a, yeah. that's, a, that's a large number uh, that you would be pissing off. 
And when that number, but that number is going to drop. I mean, that number is absolutely soft today. According to Gallup, Trump is now at 34%. He's repeated his all time low from, I believe it was last week. And he's there again. And it could drop even lower. I mean, we could start to flirt with 30% uh, any, any day now. It's yeah, it's, And mainly because uh, aside from the war that he's, is going on with the GOP, uh, Bannon is going to, you know, go to war with him at Breitbart. Well, that's and that's already happened. I mean, that's already started. I mean, the front page of Breitbart now is is basically let's let's pick on Trump. That's the uh, the entire theme of yeah, that. So they were going you, after so him for So that's going to really chip away at those numbers. Yeah. Well, we can we hope so. I think it <laughs> we will. We hope so I think it will not because only... it's going to confu- it's going to be very confusing and I think that uh I think the loyalty is not so much to Trump. I think it's to the Republican or the conservative or, or the right uh, brand. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. And right now, uh, they love that Trump trolls the left all the time and that he talks like they do and says things that, that they would say. Yeah. Um, but then if they see Breitbart, which so many, you know, I, I, I've mentioned this before, that I like to go to Chicks on the Right and read, read uh, the comments on Facebook because you really get you get a good gauge of the, of uh, your average Trump voter. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them aren't in love with Trump, but a lot of them are, and they also love Breitbart. Right. So it'll be fascinating to see. It's going to be just like with Democrats and Bernie Sanders. I think you're going to see uh, a lot of people turning on the Trump train. You know, the, or 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 people for Trump are going to turn on him. Because Breitbart's going to be just pushing out. Well, there is, yeah. I mean, we, we saw this with Obama and some Democrats, uh, you know, four, five, six years ago, where Democrats started to become disillusioned. I'm so disappointed in Obama. I don't know what I'm going to do. And they became Jill Stein voters and yeah. they became Bernie Sanders uh, supporters and so on. And, you know, the very similar thing could happen with Trump, where you got all these, uh, these Trump diehards who are now beginning to realize that he's not going to do all the things that he promised. But I don't, you know what? I don't know that that's entirely their thing, though. I don't think they really care about policy. I think they're more about whatever he says they, they cheer for. I mean, they're more about hearing the greatest hits in those rallies. And well, as long that's as what he, I'm talking about. They, he, he, the way that he speaks is the way that they would talk. Yeah. Well, he's a proxy for them to mm-hmm. attack liberals publicly. Like, they don't have a voice to go after uh, in, in a mass media sort of way, uh, the fake news, for example. So they rely on Donald Trump. They live vicariously through Donald Trump attacking the fake news yeah. because they're the fake news. The, the rest of us, the actual news is uh, contradicts a lot of their ridiculous beliefs. And so attacking the fake news makes them feel empowered that their ridiculous beliefs might be actually fake, according yeah. to the press. <laughs> so they like that a lot. All right. You know, we're way late, way late for a break. We're going to take a short break, come back. And then I want to talk about Jeff Flake and a lot more right after these words. At Bubble Genius, we know that it's a dog-eat-dog world and sometimes all you've got is man's best friend. We know you do anything for your precious pup. When he's a good boy, you give him his favorite treat. When he's gotta go, you take him for a nice walk. When he destroys your favorite shoes, you scold him, lament, and go shoe shopping. And when he eats God knows what and his ass becomes a dirty, stinking mess, well, we've got your backside on that one. You know that we bubble geniuses make fun, awesome soaps for people, but did you also know that we make stuff for your best friend? 
We've got dog soaps, shampoos, and conditioners that'll clean your disgusting doggy in no time and leave him soft, cuddly, and smelling super. And we don't stop with the D stinking there. We also make Kismet, our flea-repelling doggy perfume that leaves your pup smelling sweet and dreamy. Doggy kisses leaving you offended at your pup's palate? Turn those sour smooches to sweet with Kiss Me, our all-natural breath spray for dogs. Works wonders on humans, too. Pamper your precious pup with genius products and more at BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska! This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Welcome back to the show today. Make sure to uh, support the show by using the BobSeska.com Amazon link. You can find it just beneath the logo at BobSeska.com. You click that link, you go to Amazon.com, you do lots of shopping, and we get a small commission from everything you buy. It costs you nothing, nothing extra, and it helps support the show. Thank you for doing that. Okay, and make sure to bookmark it. Don't, don't forget to do that. Okay, so uh, Jeff Flake thinks that there's a, there should be a primary challenger for Donald Trump. That's another interesting development here in all of this, is that Donald Trump might not even be the nominee for president in 2020. I, mean, I don't think so. I mean, talk about a series of bad choices. He's bad choicing his way right into uh, not getting the nomination, which would be, I think that would be a first for a sitting president. I have to go back and look at my history a little bit here, but I think it would be a first for a sitting president who wants to run for a renomination. He's already running. Well, yeah, he is already running. You're exactly right. But I mean, in terms of actually uh, yeah. running in primaries and not getting enough votes in the primaries and then <laughs> not getting a renomination. Can you imagine the chaos at the Republican National Convention? I'm getting way ahead of ourselves here, but imagine the chaos at the Republican National Convention in 2020 if Donald Trump, the sitting president, is not the nominee for president. Mm-hmm. If they end up going with John Kasich or, hell, even Jeff Flake for that matter. Uh, really fascinating. Asked on Georgia Public Broadcasting's Political Rewind Wednesday about whether Trump could face a primary challenge of his own in 2020. I think that certainly depends on him, Flake said. I think he could govern in a way that he wouldn't, uh, but I think that... that the, 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 oh, language <laughs> is impossible. But I think that the way that the direction he's headed right now, just kind of drilling down on the base rather than trying to expand the base... I think he's inviting one. I think he's inviting a primary challenge is what he's saying here, which is absolutely true. He's absolutely true. I mean, it may not necessarily uh, impeach him, but they sure as hell are going to primary challenge him. I mean, I would say the chances of impeachment right now are probably 40, 60, 40 in favor, 60 against Uh, the chances of primary challenging Donald Trump is just the opposite. I would say 60, 40 right now and growing (laughs) and definitely growing. Meanwhile, uh, this is huge. This is huge news. And I feel bad for burying this toward the end of the show here. But the co-founder of Fusion GPS met with Senate investigators for 10 hours the other day. And now they're calling for the release of those transcripts. If you remember, Fusion GPS is the opposition research firm that paid for the assembly of the dossier, the PP tape dossier. <laughs> so the, uh, the co-founder of uh, a fusion GPS met with the Senate investigators in closed session 
10 hours, Glenn Simpson sat there. And now Glenn Simpson and his lawyers have basically given Chuck Grassley, who's the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, or sorry, the Senate Judiciary Committee, a uh, chance to uh, release these transcripts. And in that town hall, we saw the video of some of the town hall uh, with Chuck Grassley in Iowa on the Rachel Maddow show last night. Looked like Chuck Grassley was okay with releasing the transcripts. He didn't He didn't unequivocally say, fine, I'm going to release. This is my Chuck Grassley. <laughs> way. Fine, I'm going to release the transcripts and make sure they go public because... So he didn't he didn't really say, okay, yes, I'm gonna release transcripts. He was leaning in that direction. He said, well, maybe that's something that we'll vote on. And then we'll have an open session. Maybe that too. And while uh Glenn Simpson's lawyers, well, maybe we don't want an open session because we've already testified. My client has already testified to you for 10 hours. And you're gonna bring him back and do that all over again while also releasing the transcript. That doesn't make any sense. That's a waste of time. Uh, but that might happen. Those things might actually go on. Uh, which is just unbelievable. I mean, we might actually have firsthand verification of of many of the claims in that dossier, which, by the way, I don't know about you, but I want to go back and read that dossier again. Yeah. Because there's lots of things that have nothing to do with the PP tape that are still just as damning well, in there. The, lots the, of... the thing about the PP tape is that, <laughs> first of all, if... if uh, PP tape, it's just fun to say PP tape. Well, yeah, but I mean, the idea that it's just so seedy and disgusting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if there is video of him, I, I can't even imagine what that would look like. So um, if that's ever released... I can. Well, I know. But I just, can imagine I'm what it looks like. I'm just saying how disgusting it would be. <laughs> and, you know, what he might be doing... While those uh, activities are taking place, you know that that uh, that photo of Trump where he's wearing the robe and he's sprawled out yes. on the bed. Yes, <laughs> that's what he's wearing. That's what Trump <laughs> looks like in the video. Well, the the thing is, is that I don't know that it would have gotten as much attention when BuzzFeed released this. Yeah, uh, if it didn't have that, you know, sexual deviant behavior aspect. Right. Um. So. The thing, the you know, I don't know that if the PP tape is ever released, if that's going to make a difference to his voters. But in the end, it will go down in history, and it, it'll be horribly disgusting. But the important thing is, is according to this dossier, there is absolute proof of collusion between Donald Trump, his campaign, and Russia to win the election. Yeah, Ben so, Veniste said uh, that it was a roadmap to the investigation. Yeah. He referred to the dossier as being a roadmap. It's basically like, uh, oh, yeah, here's what we should pursue. These are all the things that we should pursue because there's evidence for these things being true. And whether or not the PP tape is true, I don't know. But as you said, the PP tape, I always analogize this to, uh, and a lot it's of a things. It's a crowd too. pleaser. It's a crowd pleaser. It's like the marshmallows and Lucky Charms. Except they're all yellow. Yellow peepee. That would be a fun marshmallow in Lucky Charms. Wouldn't it? If they added no. that, it'd be like pink hearts, <laughs> yellow moons, and yellow peepee. Well, you know, yellow moons would turn into yellow peepee. Last night, we were watching Rachel Maddow, <laughs> and she had Rick Wilson on, who is a Republican who has done opposition research, and he's familiar with Fusion GPS. Yeah. Uh, G- GPS, that's what it's called, right? Um, and I guess John Schindler, who is also a Republican, had his doubts about the veracity of the findings and think, you know, that maybe some of these, uh, some of what was in there was Russian planted. Rumor. What they're calling is rumor, rumor intelligence, right. which is, you know, I mean, some of that stuff is rumor intelligence, but. But if, if there, and, you know, we've, if they're able, which they've been able to do so far, and as Rachel did a fine job of explaining last night, when this has been checked out, you know, and 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 our intelligence has has gone after and looked, they did all the work, so we're just verifying. And when it comes out to be verified, 
mm-hmm. then um, then there it is. The, the the only thing I would say though is is if this is any in any part of uh, Russian disinformation, I, maybe it's not so much disinformation as chaotic information. Yeah, because you know if we find out if we get that smoking gun, it's chaos. Yeah. it's a form of chaos. And well, again, they wanted I mean, that. Yeah, and you don't need the PP tape to no. uh, necessarily impeach Donald Trump for one of these charges. One of the many things that are contained inside the uh, the dossier, and I would certainly urge everyone to get your hands on that dossier, review the do- There's your homework for the next few days. Review the dossier, because that's certainly what I'm going to do, and I should have done this yesterday. I just ran out of time. But that is something that we sort of took for granted for a while. It, well, was, it was a bombshell news story back yeah. in January when it first came out through BuzzFeed. And then we sort of forgot about it because, once again, we fell prey to sort of the disinformation campaign. Oh, the PP tape. That's just a bunch of unverified, salacious rumor. We don't want to look at the PP tape because it's a salacious dossier. And, and it was, you were basically shamed into not taking the dossier seriously. By what's the- fascinating, and, you know, I mean, I, I like to reiterate this, is that Christopher Steele um, started working for Fusion, and then he, I guess he worked for some Democrats. And his findings were so alarming that when his work with the Democrats were finished, he carried on and paid to continue with his own money yeah. this investigation. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it, it, it seems to me that if this all pl- plays out and it's true, and actually this is this is something that could really hurt and damage Trump in the end. Christopher Steele is an American hero, even though he's a former. British spy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is, again... Our hero to America, I should wh- say. What we're talking about is something that is not a shameful thing to talk about. With the When it comes to the Christopher, Christopher Steele dossier, this is something that, as Richard Benveniste said, this is something that is a roadmap for the investigation. So what you do is you take this and you t- and you use it generally as reference for what could come down. And of course you have to discount some of the uh, allegations in the dossier because the, the odds are that some things are just not going to bear out under scrutiny, but most of the things probably will. I mean, the reality is, is that there has been nothing that has been disproved or debunked yeah. about the dossier. Exactly zero. What what it has been is unverified, certain parts of it, while other parts of it have absolutely been verified. So don't don't fall for the propaganda on this. It's very, very important. Uh, meanwhile, one last thing. You know, uh, Newt Gingrich is a moron. Really? <laughs> Newt Gingrich is a moron. Uh, Media Matters has this story here today that Newt Gingrich says the uh, the left's opposition to Trump is almost verbatim uh, as the reaction by slave newspapers to the late great Abraham Lincoln. He's basically comparing the critics of Donald Trump to the slave owners, <laughs> to the slave owners prior to the Civil War. And you know what? Newt Gingrich is a goddamn moron. Yeah. I mean, I cannot describe. He is considered this wise old man in the Republican Party, and he's written books, including, by the way, books in which he imagines the South winning the Civil War. I always like to throw that out there. He does these sort of Confederacy porn uh, novels where he uh, imagines the turning points in the various battles, how these turning points could have gone General Lee's way, and then the South would have won the war. And here's here we're going to imagine now the sequence of events that happened in history for the South to win the Civil War. So that's that's Newt Gingrich's background in all of this. And so he went to... Well, let's just read the quote here. He said, well, look, I think a very good friend of mine teaches Civil War history at Gettysburg College, and he has made the case that the parallels between Trump's inaugural and Lincoln's inaugural and the reactions to them are amazing. 
that if you go and you look how South Carolina's slave newspapers responded to Lincoln, and then you look at how the left responded to Trump, they are almost verbatim parallels. And you know, I wish you could all sing Kumbaya and come to, come together, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is the left is going to get crazier and crazier. This is, again, the entire Republican strategy of projecting onto the left the things that the right is actually doing. So in this case, by saying, you know, obviously they want to spread the blame around, spread the bigotry around so that it's, oh, the Democrats are bigots too. So if everyone's a bigot, then no one's a bigot. Mm -hmm. That's the whole concept here. That was Donald Trump's whole idea behind saying many, many, many sides, many sides. Yeah. Many sides. That he never said. Yeah, right. And now, by, by the way, have you noticed he's gotten all the way down to just whispering things? Well, yeah. he'll start out by going millions and millions and millions and millions of things. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's been doing. But uh, here, uh, when he said uh, many sides, many sides, he's, he's spreading the bigotry around. He's making everyone a bigot so no one's a bigot. So this is all to say that Newt Gingrich is a big idiot. <laughs> it's a long way to go to say Newt Gingrich is a big, stupid idiot. All right. So I think the I think we'll wrap up here. I think we do, right? Yep. And uh, Kimberly Johnson is going to stick with us, right? Yes. I'm referring to you by your full name, to you. That's what we do all the time. We say, Kimberly Johnson, could you please pass me the salt? Kimberly Johnson, do you want to stick around for the post-mortem show? <laughs> If you uh, sign up over at Patreon.com or you, you just click uh, click the Patreon link at BobSuska.com. Go to our Patreon page and support the show for $5 a month. You get a couple of uh, post-mortem shows every week in which we continue to talk after this theme song stops, but only for our subscribers. And if you sign up at $10 a month, you get uh, two post-mortem shows a week plus an after party. Uh, and if you sign up at $15 a month, you get all that stuff plus... Plus an unbleeped commercial-free version of this show. Lots more still to come. Trump was tweeting today, so we got to talk about that. And, uh, oh, God, the debt ceiling. Talk about another thing that's going to make you lose sleep at night. <laughs> if the first segment of this show didn't make you lose sleep with regard to the midterms, the debt ceiling discussion probably will. But I've got some calming words on that, so don't worry. Plus, uh, oh, yeah, Trump and... The Interior Secretary are screwing with the national parks again. Got to talk about that, too. And a whole lot more. Stick with us. And if you don't join us on the post-mortem show, we'll see you on the after party tomorrow, Friday. Take care, folks. Bye-bye.